Three, two, one, execute. Life is 10% what you make it and 90% how you take it. Well, my name is Rick Napier, the CEO at Real People USA, located in California. And uh, Real People USA, we do a lot of things for uh, candidates, Republican candidates specifically. We help them with speech writing. We help them with um, uh, connecting with voters, uh, raising money. But most of all, I believe, and this is my claim to fame, we help them uh, find ways to stop uh, the Democrat cheating machine, which we know happens all the time, especially here in California. We're so pleased and honored to have a returning podcast guest. His name is Nick Torres. He's running for Congress in California in District 40. So without further delay, I would like to welcome Nick Torres from Orange County to the Real People USA podcast. Good morning, Nick. How are you doing? Good morning, Rick. How are you? I'm uh, doing good. Uh, you know, it's living in America another day, getting ready to go to work and uh, trying to stop the globalists and rhinos from ruining our country. Exactly, exactly. And that's what I, I like about you. And I'm uh, first of all, I want to say congratulations for being on the ballot in the congressional race uh, across the country, but representing District 40. So congratulations to you. I know it was hard uh, to get on the ballot. You did a lot of work. You're you're working every day, not just in your 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 day job, but you're working uh, to get your message out to uh, Orange County District 40 specifically uh, voters. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, and it's it's been actually um been a bit of an uphill fight. Uh, we announced last June, and we've had to really kind of you know push our way through the muck and the obstinance of the uh, local Orange County GOP. But um, fortunately, uh, just last week, we were able to finally get on the debate stage with uh, great, uh, the Honorable Colonel Rath, so we appreciate him for showing up to the debate, and young Kim, who was supposed to be there, but she was too busy. Supposedly, she was at the border. I mean, I'm sure she was down there to advocate for more family-based chain migration or DACA status for illegal aliens. But, um, you know, that's what they said she was. She couldn't come and face her constituents, and she sent some low-energy assistant who honestly didn't even seem like she wanted to be there with the good people of Laguna Woods. And uh, we had a great debate performance. Uh, everyone overwhelmingly said that the Torres campaign performed the best and that, you know, I was the most America first candidate. So we've, we have an opening. Um, we have a lot of support coming from Laguna Woods, which is a precinct in our district. And uh, we're, we plan on building on that and uh, trying to make a run at this thing and uh, make a lot of noise in these uh, final months of the race. Absolutely. And thank you for your hard work. And definitely, Nick, you make you let the people know exactly how you feel about, uh, uh, you know, being an American first candidate and how uh, there's a lot of um, I call it skullduggery that's being done in the GOP and specifically there in Orange County. And that's why we wanted to have this podcast uh, episode today. We want to talk about uh, these. I call them. Uh, Democrats operating or posing as Republicans I have another name for them. You know them as rhinos, but what we're what we're seeing, and this is not the first area. This Orange County is not the first area that I've seen this in. I have a good friend that's running for Congress in South Florida, and we have seen this for the last year and a half, where uh, these uh, Republicans jump in the race, and there's there's two problems. The first problem is that they really don't want to run. They really don't want to run, and they're there just to raise money. And secondly, some of them are running to 
push out the true Republican, the true America First candidate. So tell me what's going on down there in Orange County that you saw, and then we'll just continue talking about this for the next 20 or 30 minutes. Yeah, well, in my opinion, what I'm seeing down here in Orange County, and if any of the viewers or any listeners are familiar with it, it's what I call Tammany Hall politics. And if you know what Tammany Hall was, it was a late 19th century political operation in uh, New York City that was operated by the Democrats, of course. And what they would do is they would basically, um, you know, gather people along ethnic lines and bring candidates along those issues and basically play identity politics. It was like the earliest form of identity politics in the country. And uh, it was really detrimental to our political discourse. And it, you know, ultimately led to a situation in New York City where they were operated, where the Democrats weren't voting for the best interests of the citizens. They were just voting to keep themselves in power. And they used kind of this like immigrant, uh, you know, quite frankly, immigrant uh, demographic power and put their fingers on the scales and stayed in power in perpetuity. And we're seeing the same thing here happen in Orange County. You know, in my race, for example, uh, we have young Kim who's running. She doesn't even live in the district. And she's already been endorsed by the OCGOP. And I, you know, quite frankly, it has nothing to do with her conservative credentials or her policy positions. It's merely because she's an Asian woman, quite frankly. And nothing wrong with either of those things. I have a lot of respect for women and Asian people. But when we um, are at a serious and, uh, you know, critical situation in our country, it shouldn't be, you know, check the box politics. Oh, this person is this identity and this background, so we're going to put them up there so the media won't attack us. No, that's not good enough anymore because our, our country is crumbling apart and we shouldn't care about the sensibilities of liberals and uh, journalists in the media. We should care about the sensibilities of the, of the American citizens and we should care about uh, the future of our country. So I've been kind of getting more vocal about it because, again, you know, uh, you have people like Young Kim not even showing up to debates, uh, really not putting in any effort into her campaign at all, getting endorsed by the Orange County GOP. Um, at the gubernatorial level, you have people like Sean Collins, who I was running against actually in CA45 prior to the redistricting, and he just transferred over uh, to the gubernatorial race with no issue. You know, he's endorsed by Lindsey Graham. And uh, if you bring up any of these things, though, apparently it's, it's off topic because, you know, he's a black veteran. And again, nothing wrong with either of those things. But again, I think what we're falling into here in the uh, GOP is this trap of basically, oh, well, again, this person checks this box and checks that box. And we're not looking into what they're saying. We're not looking into their policy positions. We're not looking into any of that. And another person that's doing that, too, in the gubernatorial race, and this is a big issue I'm having, and maybe you could elaborate, Rick, and I apologize for rambling. I'll leave it after this. But... You have a guy named Anthony Tremino who's getting a lot of uh, press, and I, I got an email from Anthony Tremino that basically said, you know, uh, we would be blind to ignore the changing demographics in our state, and that California is becoming 50% Hispanic, and, you know, again, nothing wrong with Hispanic people. I, we live in a multiracial, multiethnic state. I've always maintained that. That's kind of the facts on the ground, but... When you're using rhetoric like, you know, hey, uh, the writing's on the wall, we're going to become uh, the majority population, you need to kind of get on board. That to me sounds like, quite frankly, La Raza rhetoric. And 10 <laughs> years ago, that wouldn't, be, that wouldn't be acceptable in the Republican Party. So I, I don't know what's changed to where we're just basically, uh, you know, <laughs> tacitly acknowledging the uh, awful consequences of illegal immigration and essentially rewarding the people who made it possible. Um, I don't agree with that. I don't think that should be a part of our policy. And I think if we're uh, doing outreach to these groups that don't traditionally vote as Republicans, we should do so with a firm message that emphasizes the importance of America, uh, putting their interests and the interests of our country first. 
and see who comes and joins us along those lines. Because I, I don't want to be a part of a party that panders to people and keeps losing and uh, keeps demoralizing our voters. So sorry for the rambling, but that's kind of what's going on down here. Oh, no, no. It, you know, I feel the same way. In fact, uh, I'm not sure. I, I've seen uh, Tremino, and if, if he is saying that uh, 40... 50% of the California population is approaching uh, the Hispanic and therefore he should be the best candidate. In fact, I, I think that's racist. I actually yeah, think... No, that's my... no it Go is. Ahead. And real quick, I have the email right here. I'll just read it to you real quick. He said, uh, did I mention he is 50% Cuban, 50% Mexican, 100% American, which I vibe with. That's great. But then this is where I have a problem. In a state where our Hispanic population is approaching 50%, we would be blind to ignore our changing demographics. Well, wouldn't we be blind to ignore the problem or ignore the situation that led to this change in demographics? And further, um, which again, most of it was done illegally. Again, if you came here legally, that's fine. You know, you're a U.S. citizen, I embrace you. But especially here in California, as I'm sure you know, Rick, you're up in Sacramento. I'm down here in Southern California. We have cities like Santa Ana that have a third of the population, according to the Bureau Institute, are illegal aliens. This is unacceptable. And this is the... You know, again, the changing demographic situation that we're apparently blind to, unless we go along with the, you know, La Raza vision of, you know, uh, Anthony Tremino and the people he hangs around with, like uh, Ron Flores, who, you know, famously said at, and who I've gotten inspired with, he famously said that at a Santa Ana Mexican Heritage Parade last uh, September that in the future, Hispanics will control everything. So, I mean, this is, this is shocking to me. And, and I just want to finish on the email real quick, uh, Rick, and not to ramble. These people, they know in a way it's, I don't want to say this in a rewrite, maybe it's a charge, but it's almost in a sense like, obviously, you know, we know what a minstrel show is, but I feel like when Anthony <laughs> does this stuff, he it's, it's like literally he's putting on a show for these like wealthier boomers who are going to provide the money to his campaign. And just to prove that he's saying, you know, we'd be blind to change demographics, but then he, he like knows that he's getting a little too maybe like uh, forward in his rhetoric. So then he, and right after that, he goes, of all my 50 years in politics, I finally see someone that's the Reagan magic. And he's referring to himself, but then the best part is he spelled Reagan wrong. Oh. Like, yeah, and I'm just saying, it's like, I'm not trying to be rude. I'm not trying to nitpick, but it's like, you know, if you're, if you're trying to do something, can you not be so lazy? Because that's, that's what gets me. It's like, they're not even putting forth any effort anymore, Rick. It's just totally like, hey, uh, I'm Hispanic. The demographics are changing. Vote for me. Just ignore all my rhetoric and all my policy positions. You know, and I, I just want to know how you feel, and I apologize for rambling, but that, it's just really frustrating. Oh, no. Well, I, I'll tell you, I've been to Mexico probably five times, and I know people who have uh, come across the border both legally and unfortunately legally, but they're here. And most of them don't agree with the Tremino uh, position. In fact, yeah. uh, some of the Hispanics that I've spoken with, the last thing they want to see is the type of politics that they left in Mexico or Honduras or, or uh, Guatemala. El they don't want to see it. They yeah. want to be Americans. 100%. They no, want to be Americans. That. That's the, no, it, and that's the sense I get, too. I mean, I think President Trump, you know, he was able to get 40% of the Hispanic vote, like the highest turnout of any Republican since President Bush. Um, he was able to do that by having a strong message. Hey, we're going to protect your jobs. We're going to protect your communities. We're going to make sure that you live in a country that's worth leaving to your children. And that resonated with Hispanics. And Hispanics, you know, again, I've lived in California my whole life. I know a lot of, you know, particularly Mexicans, because that's who the largest number of Hispanics here. But I've met from all walks of life, from all different countries. But, you know, 
I could t- I, c- I can't tell you how many times um, I've had you know other Mexicans tell me specifically like, hey, we don't want these paisas coming here and taking our jobs. And it's like, whoa, you know, if you talk, you wouldn't talk to you know an Anglo or someone else, they'd be like, wow, they're they're saying stuff like that. It's like, yeah, you'd be shocked at what <laughs> comes out of their mouths regarding you know, immigration, and some of the other stuff. And the point I'm making is uh, Hispanics aren't wallflowers. You know, they're not little babies. They don't need to be treated with kid gloves. And they're a part of this country too. Uh, just like any other group, but I think this kind of continued identity politics where, you know, um, these groups are essentially saying, you know, hey, we're going to come together as like a single ethnic block and vote for our own interests. You know, again, I have no problem in voting your own interests, but if it's done uh, against the interests of my country um, and, you know, uh, is putting me in a detrimental position, I think uh, worsening the uh, situation and condition of our country, I think we have to speak out against it. And I think kind of uh, what I'm seeing is this trend in the Republican Party where I feel like uh, people like Anthony Tremino and these others are kind of laying the groundwork, to be quite frank, uh, to maybe uh, soften our position on amnesty for illegal aliens or a variety of other things, which I think, again, obviously, uh, you live in California. I have lived here a long, to- a long time as well. The state has been drastically altered from mass migration, and uh, it's the reason why the Democrats, quite frankly, uh, control the keys to power in the state. Yeah, exactly. And the, the Democrats, and I would say uh, anyone who's not an America first type candidate, they run based on this is what I can give you if you vote for me. And uh, and and that's not a winning strategy in terms of, you know, keeping America free, keeping America safe, keeping America uh, uh, be, to be able to protect itself. You see what's going on now with Let's Go Brandon and his, uh, oh, his yeah. party and, and some of the disastrous things that he's doing and and frankly i think he's using the ukrainian situation to uh hurt the ukrainians even more but that's just my personal opinion but i want to talk more go ahead no i I just said i agree with you and uh being just on that i don't want to ramble i mean i appreciate the podcast but just on that too i mean uh that's brought up i mean the ukrainian people in this situation um, are the ones that are getting most screwed over and it's actually the fault of uh the american foreign policy establishment for, uh, you know, setting up two different color revolutions in this in that country, which totally altered the political and electoral landscape and led to a, you know, very heightened sense of tension in that country. And not only that, they basically empowered the minority group in the country, which is the Ukrainians who live in the West, because they are Catholic Ukrainian-speaking Ukrainians, whereas the rest of the country is primarily Orthodox in religion and Russian-speaking the language. That's kind of the, you know, ultimate... <laughs> contradiction here with the whole Ukraine situation is that it's, you know, kind of a hodgepodge nation and they're attempting to put one part of the country in control of the rest and it's not working. But just to kind of uh, finish on that, the Ukrainian people are the biggest losers in this. Uh, the American foreign policy establishment who's putting in people in charge like Zelensky and these others, they're doing nothing but looting and pillaging the country for everything it's got. And uh, I want to say, you know, people can say what they want about Vladimir Putin, um, but I think the way he's acting, he's doing it with keeping... Uh, the Russian people in mind. He's doing it with keeping the future of his country in mind. And he's doing it to protect um, his culture, his people, and his country. And I, and I find that admirable. And I, and I see the way we're acting in that country where we're foment, uh, fomenting chaos, sending weapons in, uh, to a region that's going to make it more violent. Um, I think we're not doing anything good or positive in the region. And if we really cared about the Ukrainian people and cared about the region at all, we would be working to uh, have the Ukrainians and Russians uh, reach a peace deal uh, that, you know, ends all hostilities and creates a situation where we can have a peaceful buffer state in Ukraine that's neither hostile to Russia nor Europe 
and uh, we could live in peace. So I think that would be the best situation. And I absolutely agree. I mean, the Democrats are just totally uh, selling the Ukrainians a bill of goods, uh, leading them down the wrong path. And they're ultimately going to leave them high and dry. It's going to be a very unfortunate situation. Yeah, exactly. And the fact that you have someone like George Soros supporting uh, this effort uh, or supporting the Ukrainian people, not maybe uh, directly, but as a proxy, as saying, oh, yes, I'm behind you know, helping the Ukrainian people. You know, it's, it's something that smells fishy when when Soros is behind it and all of the uh, underhanded Democrats that we saw how they treated the United States with the, with the COVID situation. You know, Nick, you just, you just can't trust them. That's basically what I'm saying. No. You can't trust them at all. No, no, I, Rick, you're 100% right. It's frustrating because, especially, again, we're seeing this in the Republican Party, and I want to bring this up, too. This is an issue I have with the whole Ukraine situation. I'm seeing a lot of people from various ethnic diaspora groups who've come to this country, and they've turned Ukraine into, uh, like, kind of an avatar of their own situation in their own country. And what I mean by that is you're seeing many, for example, people across the country who are of Ukrainian descent and Polish descent, um, or who are from those countries themselves and now live here in the United States, um, they're coming out and they're the ones that are actually, I mean, we see a lot of like white liberals and other groups like that who are really promoting Ukraine, but the ones who are actually most doing it are kind of these immigrant groups who come over from those countries themselves and then they're out organizing in their own neighborhoods um, to call, uh, to advocate for this conflict and to call for like a no-fly zone. And look, I understand what these people have gone through and I know Russia and these other countries haven't had the best relationship, but that really isn't our concern right now i mean that's that's not our our issue we can't we can't change the past we can't you know make sure uh, everyone lives in peace russia is a great power uh ukraine should have had some common sense and realized that when you have a great power in your backyard you should do all you can not to make them upset and um i think you know ultimately the democrats and all the people in power um like you said we just can't trust them when the same people who are telling us it's necessary to give kids vaccines and mask them up and lockdown businesses are also telling us now it's okay to go and fight a war. Um, I, you know, I really uh, pause and I question what's going on. So uh, we really just have to, I think, be vigilant and realize that we don't know the entire story of what's going on in Ukraine as we, the American people, and uh, we don't know um, exactly, you know, who's good, who's bad, and uh, what's right or what's wrong over there. So I think ultimately we should just stay out of this conflict, and if we are involved, it should only be to urge peace and uh, goodwill between the Ukrainians and the Russians. Exactly. Now, I want to get back to this um, this, this fake uh, stuff that's happening in Orange County, and it's happening uh, also in other parts of Southern California. It's happening in uh, South Florida. And what I'm what I what I'm saying is what how we started was that these these groups like the Orange County GOP. Now, I don't know anything about them, but what I can see from just looking at what you've been posting and the interview you did with that guy out in the in the parking lot. What what, what was his name? The, Fred Whitaker. The uh, Fred Whitaker. The you did a chairman. Yeah, and, and kudos to him. He did talk about uh, some of those issues. But bottom line, this is it. They are putting people in the race to uh, minimize the election. And number two, and this is the part that hurts the most to me, there are they are telling the California voters that they are honest about putting up strong candidates and they're taking their damn money. They're taking the voters' money and they're using this, this money for, for, I don't know what they're using the fundraising dollars for, but they're using these straw uh, puppet candidates 
who have no chance of winning, who are not qualified, who can't even, I mean, they can't even, you know, <laughs> they can't even hold your water, Nick. <laughs> you, you no, you're I've, I've, Rick, I've debated some of these people. That's what's most frustrating. And it's, you know, really, um, they're not just trying to dilute the race down and stop America first candidate. I, I think, honestly, I, I wouldn't even give them that credit. I don't think they're that smart or, uh, you know, uh, tactical. What I think it really is, and I'm just being honest, Rick, and I, I don't mean to ruffle anyone's favorites when I say this, and I know I can say things that are kind of abrasive. What it really is, is honestly, it's a bunch, in the Orange County GOP, it's a bunch of detached, older white people whose number one concern is not being called racist. That's mm. the quite, that's the, that's the answer to it. And it's, it's not about winning and look, I'm not going out there saying, you know, hey, let's call me a racist and let's treat people badly based on their racial background. That's not what I'm saying. But the whole thing is, is like, look, I've been told my whole life, you've been told your whole life, man, I've had this conversation with people. Aren't we all Americans? Like, that's what I've been told literally from the time I was uh, a child in school. And over the years now, it's become, no, well, there are Americans, but then there's special Americans who have, you know, their own interests and uh, their own culture, too. And, you know, you have to respect that. You don't have a culture. Well, I'm kind of getting tired of that, and I really have a problem with, you know, um, again, as I see our country deteriorating, as I see my district getting worse, you know, in Orange County where the average cost of a home is like $950,000, and then we have, like, homeless people walking around. I mean, it's turning into Los Angeles. Totally unacceptable. And then what is the Orange County GOP focused on? Oh, they want to come out and tell you, you know, about all the women and you know, uh, blacks and Hispanics and everyone that's voting in the Republican Party and how it's not what you think it is. And, you know, like I said, I'm all for different groups being involved, but you have to be involved based on your ideas. I'm not just going to come up and shake your hand, you know, uh, because, you know, again, you check this box. That's what the Democrats do. Isn't that what I mean? I remember when Barack Obama was running in 2008, like Republicans, we would kind of mock the Democrats because they would have, we have the coalition of the ascendant. We have one of this and one of that. And it didn't even matter about their views or anything. I mean, we were like, hey, you guys are putting up a community organizer as president. Like, I mean, what about, what does he stand for? Anything like this. And I've been seeing this kind of trickle down to the Republicans now, especially after the 2012 election with Mitt Romney. And they had the famous autopsy, which was wrong where they said that we need to appeal to, you know, homosexuals and all these disparate groups that don't normally vote Republican. And the reason why the Republican Party lost is because it was like too white and too old. I, I don't think I don't think that's the case. I think the Republican Party has been losing because they don't have the courage of their convictions. They're not painting with bold pastels, as President Reagan once famously said. And we have to offer a vision to the American people that's not one based in fear. That's not one based in losing. Uh, you know, we don't want to be called names. It's got to be one that's bold that's assertive and sets a path for the future for the American people. And I think many Americans of all backgrounds, of all stripes, will be appealed to that message because ultimately we all have a stake in this country. We all live here. We enjoy the quality of life we have here. Um, we love our families and we want to make sure that we leave something behind for our children. And I think that's the ultimate goal in politics is to make sure that you preserve and conserve something to leave behind your project like our founding fathers did. So, um, you know, when I see all this stuff going on with the OCGOP, and there's not a focus on vetting candidates and uh, providing the constituents with the best candidates possible, it makes me pause. And that's why I've made it such a big part of my campaign to call these people out. People ask, well, you know, why don't you focus on your campaign? Why don't you focus on this? This is 100% a part of my campaign. You know, <laughs> the people who are denying me a platform to speak in front of donors that are allowing people like Sean Collins and Anthony Tremino and uh, Caitlyn Jenner to come speak at Central Committee, but then myself and other registered Republicans can't even enter the meeting. That's 100% to do with my campaign. So we have to really, as Republicans, start taking back the local parties because so many people have, I mean, we have no idea. The people who endorse all the candidates for assembly, 
for uh, Congress, all these various positions, and who end up eventually being <coughs> on the ballot, and we have to vote for. That's mm-hmm. all determined by the local party. So we have to really do a lot more to take our parties back and to stop the Republican establishment from getting in the way of America first. We, the people, can put America first. People ask me, Nick, how can we vote for you? You know, I mean, you're a young guy. You don't have a lot of experience. You got to go with the you know, most experienced candidate and Greg and Young. And I hear all that. But, you know, we also have to go with the candidates. It's about ideas. We have to go with people who want to put America first. Because, like I said, Rick, and I hope I'm not rambling, we are really at situation critical in our country right now. And, and no longer is it going to be enough to say, well, hey, look at this guy, you know. He's, uh, you know, a transgender, wheelchair-bound Hispanic, and he's Republican. Well, that's great, but what is what is his position on anything? You know what I mean? I mean, that's, that's where I'm kind of at. I'm tired of seeing people come up, hey, he's gay, hey, he's black, hey, he's Hispanic. And then they just really, like you said, sound like Democrat life. And then we have to sit there and say, oh, wow, this is great. And uh, so that's kind of my sense on it, and that's why I'm speaking out, because, again, policy, not pandering. We need candidates that care about America, that want to put America first, uh, not those that care about building their social media following and speaking at CPAC every year. Yeah, I, I agree. And I'll just take my son, uh, for example. He graduated from college at, at Cal Poly Pomona uh, with yeah. a, uh, a, a, a nice technical degree. He can, he can make six figures with it, and he's living in Santa Monica. And uh, I, I'll just tell you, he wasn't really political when he graduated from high school, you know, from college. But he and he graduated right at the start of the of the COVID hoax, and over the, a two year period of time, he has told me that he will never vote for a Democrat again. And he's only like twenty five years old. He'll say he said he will never vote for a Democrat. But even more importantly, he said he's looking for candidates that believe in the America that he grew up in as a child. Okay, so I have three sons. They did not lack anything growing up as children, and now they are, they are adults. They're about maybe 30, yeah, 35, 30, and 25, and now they're, they're seeing the country that they only had a short time in, you know, t- you know 20, 25, 30, 35 years old, and they, they're seeing the country crumble. They're seeing it crumble. So my young son is basically saying, Nick, that he does not want any watered-down candidates he wants candidates that will, will fight for the constitution fight for the rights that he knows about as a what he how he grew up as a young child and a, and a young adult so i'm telling you that's why i can't stand what what these people are doing but here's my next question you mentioned the these people that that feel they got i guess they feel that, that white privilege is something how do you, how did they get to that point like the 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 people at the ocgop how does a person get to the point where they feel that their whiteness is a liability? I honestly, I don't know, Rick, because, you know, I'll just be honest. Um, I, I was, I'm just being straight. I was born, my, my mother and father told me that everyone should be proud of their racial and ethnic heritage, always. I mean, that's always, I mean, like, hey, you're probably black, probably black, probably Mexican, probably Mexican, probably white, probably white. I have never understood the level of self-hatred and self-deprecation I've seen among other white people. I mean, it's really unhealthy and it's really kind of creepy. But here in the Orange County GOP, I think where it starts, you want a timeline. Quite frankly, it starts with the departure of Tom Fuentes from the party uh, during his death. Uh, He was the head of the Orange County GOP. He died in 2012, or 2012 or 2013, I believe. But ever since he passed away, um, the Orange County GOP, which was once, you know, kind of the, the, the standard bearer, 
of counting GOPs across the country. Uh, you know, we had helped uh, make Repub uh, Orange County deep red from the city council positions all the way up to the congressional seats. I mean, it was essentially a Republican bastion that couldn't be uh, taken out or altered in any way, shape or form for decades. Tom Fuentes left, and Tom Fuentes himself was of Hispanic descent, but he was a sixth-generation Californian and uh, really took seriously uh, the problems of electoral fraud and other things like that, so much so that he, in fact, actually um, hired security guards to uh, walk the precincts in Santa Ana and various places in the 90s just to make sure that we had electoral integrity. Of course, he was pilloried for that, but uh, to me, that's a sign of a man of integrity and who knows what's going on. He was a great man. Um, when he died, the party was taken over by... Scott Baugh, who's currently running in California's 47th district against Katie Porter, which he'll lose. Again, another establishment Republican that doesn't offer any vision or anything substantive to the voters. And uh, he he and Fred Whitaker, who's the current uh, GOP uh, county commissioner here, uh, they worked uh, to kind of water down the more socially conservative America First message of Tom Fuentes to where we now have this kind of, uh, you know, pro-chamber of commerce quite frankly, neoconservative, America last uh, agenda that's put forth by the OCGOP. And those two individuals, Scott Bond and Fred Whitaker, were in charge of doing that because, again, they wanted to bring in more donations and kind of, you know, uh, detoxify the brand around the OCGOP. And the result, um, since Tom Puentes' departure in 2013, went from a county that was deep red, uh, the Orange County GOP was strong, it was united, we were moving forward as a coherent force, uh, to now being this ramshackle organization uh, where the Democrats ostensibly control all the major congressional seats, um, with the exception of two at the moment, which is Michelle Steele and Young Kim, who are basically Democrats. And um, we, we're witnessing Cal, uh, Orange County. Uh, we're witnessing, as people are calling it, the purpling of Orange County, where it's going from a deep red district to blue. And a lot of that's had to do, quite frankly, with the lack of a conservative vision put forth by the OCGOP. And, um, you know, their number one concern, like I said with these people, I've been dealing with them for a year now. Their number one concern is not being called names. And you can't <laughs> win with people like that. You know, Rick, I'm sure you see my social media. I receive all levels of hate and all kinds of things all the time. A lot of support, too. But, you know, um, in this game and politics, you got to have a thick skin. And I'm reminded today, too, today's March 15th. A uh, very great day in history. It's the Ides of March. It's my mother's birthday. A lot of important things happen today, but it's also the birthday of uh, one of my favorite presidents, Andrew Jackson, Old Hickory, a man who knew about toughness and a man who knew about character. And, um, you know, we need to have more people like Andrew Jackson, more people like Donald Trump in our politics where they're not afraid, or more people like Tom Brady, too, quite frankly. You might shake your head at that, but, you know, people who aren't afraid to stand back in the pocket and make the pass, who aren't afraid to take the sack, who aren't afraid... Um, to really take the slings and arrows from the media and the Democrat allies. So, uh, you know, we need candidates that are going to win, and we need to stop pandering and losing with the OCGOP. And we need to, um, I think, really just embrace America first, because this is the time for us to throw off our shackles, Rick. I really think we're living, especially with the whole Russia-Ukraine thing, I think we're living in a time of a global realignment. And I think we need to, as America First conservatives, ride this wave and really enlighten American patriots to say, hey, the Republican Party's not working for you. Only we can work for us. Only we, the people, can make this country great again. And I think uh, that message is starting to resonate, starting to get out there. And if we keep pushing, we keep uh, fighting, we keep scraping, we keep gnashing, clawing, doing all we can to, uh, you know, kind of get past these obstacles in our path, I really firmly believe that we could put America first and even change the fate of California. People say California's so far gone, and in a lot of respects, they're not wrong. 
but I still think there's many great places like Orange County, Riverside County, uh, San Bernardino County, San Diego County, the Central Valley, uh, portions of Sacramento, I know where you live and the surrounding areas. We still have a lot of great red districts in this state. Um, the American dream is still alive here, and we got to do all we can to save our state. So, um, I hope, again, I hope I'm not rambling a little early, but that's what went wrong with the OCGOP and uh, kind of went wrong, I think, with the Republican establishment at large across the country. Well, I'll, I'll give you some hope, Nick. Uh, I'll tell you that in Los Angeles County, in the, in the areas of like Santa Monica, Fairfax, Beverly Hills, West L.A., you have a lot of people who used to vote for Democrats. And then this BLM stuff ha happened and this, uh, uh, you know, burning down buildings and then COVID-19. And you had people that really were not uh, political. And if they were political, they voted Democrat because they thought they had so much liberty. <laughs> not to mess up that word, but they thought they had so much yeah, yeah. freedom to do whatever they wanted to do. And then, you know, uh, COVID hit BLM and, and all these riots and people lost a lot of money. Uh, down in Northwest uh, Los Angeles County, or uh, they call it Mid Central sometimes. Um, and I'm just telling you, these people now, Nick, they are not the same voters that they were in 2016. They're not. And a lot of them, and I'll just tell you, a lot of the, the parents down there, they are totally upset about these vaccine mandates. And I know a lot of white collar business owners that probably didn't care about anything dealing with Republicans, they probably despise Republicans. Now they are on board with the America first, the, the conservative agenda, because you went after their damn kids. You went after their kids. Oh, you, you can't do that. No, you can't. And, you know, it's really sickening because we have these people, um, you know, in the Republican Party, you know, you hear the voters. So many. I've been to so many school district meetings where people are just appalled that, the, you know, quite frankly, the disgusting pornography that's being put out in front of their children, this weird LGBT grooming. And then what is how you know? And this is hey, this is a big issue for us. We don't want this being taught to our kids. And then what is how does the Republican Party respond? Well, hey, you know what? Uh, we're going to give a national platform to people like Rick Grinnell and the Log Cabin Republicans. I mean, it's like this. It, it's totally absurd. And why I push back against it. And why I say something is because, look, if you're going after our kids, you're making threats on the family. The family yeah. is the ultimate building block in American society. That's why we've been so successful. So, again, people don't want to hear it, but you can't divorce these things from another. They're all interconnected, and we've allowed this to slip for too long. And it's time for conservatives. For And, look, I'm saying, look, I, I'm a sinner. I don't claim to be the perfect person, but I do believe in Jesus Christ, and I do believe in the values that he taught us. And fighting back against these anti-family, anti-Christian values, should be something that's very high on the Republican Party's agenda. But again, they're choosing not to address it. They're letting the Democrats run roughshod. And millions of Americans are looking across the country to say, who will lead us? Who will help us out? Now, fortunately, we're not alone. We still have someone who's there for us, someone who looks out for us, and that's President Donald J. Trump, who I plan on supporting in 2024. I don't, you know, I don't buy into all these other people they're trying to put in front of us, like DeSantis and some of these others. They're great candidates, but there's still only one person that has the strength, the charisma, and the drive to lead us through this storm that we're in, and that's President Donald John Trump. So ultimately, um, I think what's going to happen is that President Trump is, because he's receptive to us, he hears what's going on, I think he's going to drive the GOP forward to kind of address these issues more. And as 2022 and 2024 gets closer, our voice, the voice of the Republican voters, is going to become more uh, loud and uh, more 
uh, I guess, dominant in the party rather than the establishment apparatchiks. That's my hope. And it, I, I exactly. The that. national GOP is not doing a doggone thing, and they're pretty much uh, uh, hurting us. And I think a lot of uh, Americans slowly but surely, or a lot of um, uh, GOP voters, and I would say change of heart Democrats, what they're starting to see now is that forget about these national platforms because they've been hurting us and we can't trust the national uh, GOP leaders like Lindsey Graham. We can't, never could trust him anyway. But uh, a lot of voters are starting to figure that out. And I just want to say that this Orange County GOP group, I think they're operating in an echo chamber and they're listening to their own hype because the voters aren't paying attention to it. And I just want to thank you for doing what you're doing and, you know, like I said, Real People USA is, is here to help you uh, be, maybe get your message out to some of the small business owners who are hurting, uh, some of the parents who see Los Angeles County creeping into Orange County or San Francisco County creeping into Orange County. You don't want that. Trust me. Um, but no. Nick, quit doing, you know, continue doing the same things you're doing and, 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 and broaden your base in terms of not just not adding these people in, but maybe getting some of the things that people care about the most out to your to your voters because man you are a strong candidate brother well i, I appreciate that rick and i really i just want to take the time and say to you know, i'm very honored with all the you know help and the platform you provided me and you've been uh, nothing but courteous and gracious and i think really helps lift it up our campaign so i appreciate all you do and i support everything you do over at real people usa you're a great guy and you know, I got. I want to get you down here for one of our town halls, man. We need you down here. You're a great energy, and I think I think you'd be a great addition. I think within two weeks, you might. You'll probably see my face. I have relatives that live there. I have a, uh, some additions to the family, some temporary additions to the family right now, uh, that is kind of keeping me here. But I tell you what, man, I, w I will be honored to stand next next to Nick Torres. <laughs> Definitely. No, I, I appreciate it, Rick. And hopefully, you know, if I get anywhere in politics, I'll remember that, man. So um, I'm very honored today uh, to be on with you. And thank you for providing me the platform. Unfortunately, I do have to go, though. I got to get out to work. But um, thanks again, Rick. Uh, you're a great American, Real People USA, one of the best podcasts out there. I'd say the best podcast out there right now because my boy Rick's on it. And, um, you know, I really appreciate all the support you've given uh, given me. It's really nice hearing from uh, other people hearing that they like what we're doing. And uh, it gives me the strength to continue on. Because ultimately, I think if we're going to take our country back, it's about, again, people like you, me, us everyday people, we the people having conversations, getting together, and uh, really taking our country back. Because that's how our country was designed to be in the first place. And, and put your we website the out there, working. too. Huh? What was that? And put your website oh, out. Website? Yeah, w oh, thank you. Sorry, Rick. www vote for nick ca40.com all right perfect okay nick you have a great day down in southern california you too rick god bless you thank you bye-bye